Entrepreneurs Over 40, Episode 11, featuring Bill Soroka talking about how he overcame 26 business failures and what he's doing now as a notary coach. I love the thrill of the hunt. And I think that's why it translates into business for me as well, because I think about what what's my real passion, what's driving me through these businesses. And I really think it's plucking the idea out of the ether, cultivating it, looking for it. Like I've hunted this down, I'm finding a way to make it work and then watching it come alive in the real world. And it might be a home run. It might be a flop. That really doesn't matter to me. It's that, it's that whole process of finding the idea, cultivating it, bringing it out, making it, creating it. You're listening to Entrepreneurs Over 40, the show for somewhat mature entrepreneurs and side hustlers. And now your host, Greg Mills. Our guest today, by his own admission, has had over 26 business failures. The important thing is he's gotten back up 27 times, although it wasn't until he did a results inventory of his life that he was able to break the cycle. Since then, he's gone on to start a successful brand called Notary Coach, where he teaches notaries in all 50 states how to build a business that grants them the flexibility in their schedule, unlimited earning potential, and doing so in a legitimate business that they can be proud of. He's also authored and co-authored two books, Sign and Thrive, How to Make Six Figures as a Mobile Notary and a Loan Signing Agent, and Supercharge Your Notary Business with LinkedIn, How Mobile Notaries and Loan Signing Agents Build Their Brand, Get Known, and Connect with Their Dream Clients. Did I mention that he's also the host of the Side Hustle Lounge podcast <laughs> and, and apparently does not sleep? Without further ado, <laughs> Bill Soroka. Uh, hey, Greg, thank you so much for that introduction. It's uh, such a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk to you today. I'm excited as well. So can you take a few moments and just fill in the gaps from that intro and bring us up to speed <laughs> with, with, with what's going on in your world? Fill in the gaps on 26 different business figures. <laughs> How much time you got? I'll keep, I'll give you the, the short and sweet of it. So with my personality type, I just, I love, I rarely meet an idea that I don't like. So how that translated for me was all of my hobbies. Anytime I'd read a book or heard something new, I'd want to turn it into a business. So I did that very enthusiastically but enthusiasm will only carry you so far. And what I found after so many flops or things would get hard or difficult or boring and I would just let it peter out and then I'd bounce off to the next thing. I was very undisciplined and I resisted discipline. I resisted habits and routine my entire life because I thought it was for boring people. I thought there's you're missing out on the party if you uh, go to bed at seven so you can get trained for your marathon the next day or took your business so seriously that you uh, forgot. And I paid a huge price for that because what I learned through my results inventory after my last business collapsed and my relationships were affected, what I learned was that there was freedom and discipline. And I finally just sucked it up and I said, okay, I tried it my way. It obviously didn't work. So now I'm going to just go, I went down this rabbit hole, exploring uh, habits and routine. All the gurus talk about it. Anybody who's ultra successful talks about their regiment and their routine and how they just did the things they knew they needed to do. So I bit the bullet and I started doing that. And that's when things really started to change for me. Did you have a coach or a mentor to guide you or how did that, how did you know what you needed to do? Great question. So 
I had lots of coaches and mentors through the years, but my definition of that might be authors who shared their journey, people who post videos on YouTube, those types of things. So I had an idea. I was blessed that one of the last business I had standing when everything crumbled was my mobile notary loan signing business. So I had all these 26 failures that behind me, but I learned lessons from. It wasn't like a waste of time. In fact, now I wouldn't change anything about that. So I just took those lessons, took what I learned, and I applied it to this business. So I had a good idea of what needed to get done. I just needed some help getting the discipline to do it. I, I used to struggle with waking up early. I'm like, what's the point of waking up early? I, I was up till two or three in the morning, drinking my creative juices and had paper plastered all over the wall. And then I sleep till noon where I was a poker host. So I was <laughs> out hosting poker and drinking till one or two in the morning and then oversleeping. So I had to learn what I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. And gurus like Brendan Burchard, Hal Elrod in his The Miracle Morning book changed my life because in The Miracle Morning in particular, it gave me a framework because I used to ask myself, what's the point of waking up? What am I going to do if I wake up early? I had a framework to do it. And I did that for 90 days, just doing the, the six practices that he talks about in that book. And that just opened up some floodgates for me. And then I was able to create my own daily dues. That's what I called them, my daily dues in my own business to do the things that needed to get done. I knew this was a relationship business. So I knew I need to cultivate relationships. So I knew I needed to kick down some doors and I knew that I'm an introvert and I'm shy and I'm not going to go knocking on doors. So I had to find a way to do that. And that's how I developed my system. Okay. So, you know, just switching gears briefly, was there anybody in your family that was an entrepreneur or was it just you? Yeah. Good question too. We've had some entrepreneurs and adventurers speckled in the family. My grandmother on my mom's side was an entrepreneur and it, that kind of goes down the whole line on that side. And then we had some adventurers like gold hunters and real estate and all kinds of things, but very similar personality type. They seem to bounce from different idea to different idea and nothing really took off for them. For the most part, our inner circle was really put a lot of focus on education, traditional jobs. Like I heard that my whole life, and that was part of my struggle too, is I, I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to learn things I wasn't going to use practically in life. I saw that as a waste. So I was doing my own thing without getting results. So I was in the shame cycle all the time. And my grandparents loved me and supported me, but they just wanted me to go to college, get a degree get a job and then just stop, just be safe, get a paycheck, get some medical insurance. So they didn't have to keep footing emergency room bills and things like that. So I struggled with that uh, a big portion of my life. Okay. So you would say that kind of, you struggle with a little bit with shiny object syndrome or fear of missing out. Yeah, totally. In the past, and even now I have to keep myself in check. I tend to overload my plate. I love a good idea. Yeah. I love blazing trails. Okay. So what was your first job? So I have this conversation with myself quite a bit on how to define my first job, I think. So my dad was a ranger for Arizona State Parks. And okay. when I was a kid, he was the first ranger to get sent to new state parks when the state would buy them. So one of those was Slide Rock State Park. So we got to live right on Slide Rock State Park. And then after the tourists would leave, I would go down and 
snorkel and find all the jewelry and the cash and the sunglasses and the cool gemstones and all kinds of stuff that they would leave in their pockets while they were swimming. And I would, that was really technically my first job. That's how I started. I'd find that stuff, sell it, take it to uh, little shops or up to the swap meet in Camp Verde. And that's where we would sell it. Okay. So I think that was my first job. And then they had a little gift shop there too. And I used to sell gum and film and sweep floors and stuff. Okay. That sounds very familiar in that I used to live near a, a golf course and friend, you know, myself and some friends would go out and we'd, we would hunt for the balls that the golfers had lost. <laughs> yeah. And then we would, I don't know if we actually turned around and sold them or not, but we, I remember amassing quite a, a war chest of golf balls. I had the entrepreneurial spirit, but there was always something lacking in my own life mm. with the next, the next step, the follow through. That's sometimes the hardest step is the follow through. Cause it, I, I love, <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. Cause I love hunting for golf balls too. I can't help myself. I have a huge collection. I golf maybe twice a year, but I collect these golf balls and I've lived on two golf courses this year. I've got hundreds of them. I call it going out Easter egg hunting. Cause I can find them anywhere and I just collect them. Like I'm going to do something with them. I just don't know what. Yeah. I like the, the hunt of finding something mm. that of value that is maybe overlooked. Like I, I was selling used books for a while. I've never been any good with a metal detector, but the idea is there. I'm one of these guys who will actually watch the metal detecting shows and yeah, <laughs> they are pretty boring. I will, I'll give them that. But some of the, like the gold rush that's on a different level and that intrigues me. Me too. I'm right there with yeah. you. I love the thrill of the hunt. Yeah. And I think that's why it translate in translates into business for me as well, because I, I think about what, what's my real passion, what's driving me through these business and businesses. And I really think it's plucking the idea out of the ether cultivating it, looking for it. Like I've hunted this down. I'm finding a way to make it work and then watching it come alive in the real world. And it might be a home run. It might be a flop that really doesn't matter to me. It's that, it's that whole process of finding the idea, cultivating it and bringing it out making it creating it, I guess. Okay. So you sound like the type of guy that would do well in a call center. Tell, tell me about that. <laughs> Cause that sounds horrid. That's my nightmare. Yeah. What were you yeah. doing? I've done it. I've done it all on top of 26 businesses or tons of jobs in there too, because the businesses didn't work out or there were times where I got scared and desperate. So I always ran back to the safety of a paycheck, safety of medical insurance. And that's not necessarily anything wrong with that because that's a, the reality that I was in and having health insurance, that's important. And having, being able to pay your bills and eat, that's important too. So a lot of those jobs that will hire you really quick are call centers. And I tend to thrive in those environments and I would get promoted very quickly in them. So I could get promoted off the phones relatively quickly. I would start and then I'd do everything I could. I'm a pretty good sales guy. I'm a pretty good customer service guy. I can talk to anybody on the phone, even if I'm just dreading it. I felt like a caged animal. I'm chained to this cubicle pacing back and forth. In fact, I've had write-ups for not sitting in my chair long enough, for taking too many bathroom breaks. I've had it all. I'm just not born for that, but I did what I had to do. 
So I've been in travel, banking, mortgages. Oh my gosh, selling or answering those special pills that are between midnight and 4 a.m. I was on the hotline for that, like all kinds of stuff that I've done with that. And it is like when I think about it, I can even feel myself starting to get anxiety just talking about it. I really, I consider myself unemployable at this point anyway. I've tasted the good life. I've tasted the freedom that entrepreneurialism can bring. I can't go back and I definitely can't go back to a call center. There's nothing wrong with a call center if you love it. It's just not for me. Yeah. I was wondering if you were in any type of IT role there. So that was probably the worst, actually. Uh, A big... I don't want to say a, a brand name because there's nothing wrong with them, but huge domain and technology company. And they blended their sales and their tech support. And I had hired on as sales because I loved it. I got to talk to business people all day long. And then they merged it with the tech support. Ooh. And it was terrible. I think I lasted maybe a month to six people calling in because their email doesn't work. I'm like, oh, that's my nightmare came alive for me right there. But I just took that as a sign from the universe. It's like, I'm not supposed to be there. So if I don't, and that's what I found through this whole experience is if I didn't make the decisions I knew I needed to make, the universe makes them for me. And so that happened and I made a decision. I cut ties with that and I moved on and I worked in a different business. Yeah. So what was, let's go over some of your failed businesses, especially the ones that, that you can identify that put you to where you are now. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I would say all of them have when I really, and this was a really cool realization. When I started looking back at what had gotten me to where I was, like when I published my book, I was like, I cannot believe I just self-published a book that has been on the bestseller list since it came out. Like when I started rewinding, I'm like, how did this, how did it happen? And I go back mm-hmm. and I can see pivotal moments. So all of these, every step along the way has culminated into this. It helped me become exactly who I needed to become in order to do this. I can see how in the early 2000s, I had a real estate marketing company and I can see the project that I, the, our big flagship product product that I was going to, that has helped me with my marketing today. I had a mattress company that the way that I built the relationships and brought people together to sell or to create and sell those has served me in building the community that I have now with my notaries. Okay. Then I can see in the jewelry business and the, the liquor store promotions and being able to give stuff away that has helped so much uh, in what I do today too. So it's really hard to identify it, but what the key factor is I could have, and I did for many years, I stuffed it down into with the shame, right? Like I never wanted to talk about business failures because if I did people react to it, they're like, Oh, in fact, even now I'll get it on social media. People are like, you want, I'm going to take advice from somebody who failed 26 times. I'm like, yeah, you probably should. Because I've learned a few things along that way, but there was a time where that would have crippled me if to hear that. But now I, it's not something I'm like proud of. I'm not like, Hey, look at me. I failed 26 times, but I have embraced every lesson along the road. And I realized I couldn't be where I am today. I could not do the things that I do today if I had not had those experiences. Yeah. And you got back up and you just pushed forward. Yeah, exactly. You got to, that's the resilience in that uh, bounce back. So what, how did you learn about the uh, doing a results inventory and 
how did that, how did that come about? Yeah, I don't know exactly where it came from. I would imagine it came from a book or something that I did. I read tons of books and that was the problem in that first half of life because I, I read everything, I consumed everything, but I did not implement stuff. I was really, really down. I think I had six businesses at the time. Five of them collapsed. They were big endeavors. I had family who had invested money. I had friends that were involved in it. I had a relationship at the time that was really rocky and it crumbled all at the same time. So here I was at the at Thanksgiving and I didn't want to be around anybody in my family. So I spent that time alone with a bottle of vodka and I didn't know which direction I was going to go. I was really down. It could have gone either direction. And I got this inspiration that hit and it was from a book called The Answer by John Asaroff. But he has this gap analysis that you do for business. But I was like, I'm going to do this for my life. This is my results inventory. Here's what I want. This is what I thought I was smart enough to create. And here's what I've got. And what's that gap and difference? And it was like the Grand Canyon of gaps. It was huge. But I was thinking, I can do this if anybody can do this. And I've met some really successful entrepreneurs, however you decide to define that, that didn't strike me as the brightest bulbs in the shed or the sharpest knives, right? I'm like, why can't I create something? Why do I have to struggle? And that's where I slipped. I went into that rabbit hole seriously, four or five days over Thanksgiving weekend and just consuming everything I can. And when I came out of that on Monday, I had a plan in place. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I started out with BJ Fogg and his tiny habits. And he Mm -hmm. used to have a little program at his university where you would send in what you wanted your habits to be, and they would send accountability emails. And that helped. And then I got introduced to Hal Elrod, and that really triggered the, uh, the next chapter of my life. In fact, I measure my life before the miracle morning and after the miracle morning. Okay, so that made a huge difference, a huge change huge. in your life. Okay, and, and so continues how, to do so. how early are you getting up now? Because uh, you'll listen to some of these podcast and people will talk about, well, I get up at three in the morning, I get up at four. And then one lady I remember said that she got up really early at about eight 30. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow. I think it's really important to acknowledge that the physiology in us individually are, is different. Mm-hmm. And there, there are studies that suggest that some people perform better at night versus in the morning. So you've got to honor all that. We can't apply a blanket policy or philosophy to everyone. But there's a lot of science that backs the power of mornings, uh, especially brain science and how that functions. And it works for me. And I didn't think that it would because I was a night owl and I worked in bars as a bartender, poker host, all that. So I, I was adapted to that. So it took some work to make mornings happen, but between the miracle morning and uh, Mel Robbins uh, five second rule, I had to count down every morning, five, four, three, two, one. And that's how I would get out of bed. And then I had a mantra that says, I choose greatness. And it's funny, whenever I, my alarm said that when it came up, it would say, I choose greatness. When I'd see that, to argue with that is to not choose greatness. So it really helped me get out of bed in the morning. And that at the time was between 3.30 and 4 because of the life that I lived. Mm-hmm. I was a mobile notary and loan signing agent. So at eight o'clock, my phone was ringing and dinging and I would work all the way sometimes till 11 o'clock at night. 
So if I wanted to, that was working in my business, but if I wanted to do the move the needle stuff to work on my business, I had to wake up early. And that's when I wrote the book. That's when I created my online course. I had to do that when my mind was fresh in the morning. So now I, I still get up. I, I don't like to use an alarm. So it's sometime between four and five 30. Okay. Morning. Were you passionate about becoming a notary or did you, <laughs> were you? So I was definitely not passionate about becoming a notary public. In fact, I did it because I was, again, it was a, at a down and out moment in my life. And a friend of the family said, Hey, why don't you become a notary? And I'll throw you some deals. Uh, being a loan signing agent. I had no idea what I was doing. And I really thought this was a cool little inside thing that nobody else was doing. I thought we were inventing something, but little did I know there's this entire industry. I didn't learn that until several years into it. And I, I always had one foot out the door in this business. I treated it like an ATM machine and the money was good. I'd get in, I'd make, if I needed 2,500 bucks, I made 2,500. If I needed a thousand, I made a thousand, whatever it was. And then I go and pump that money into my other big ideas. Mm-hmm. And then once those started petering out several years into my notary business, I said, why don't a friend of mine actually said it over a beer? She's oh my gosh, you have gone through all of this. Why don't you focus your energies on this business? And when I started to do that's when things really started to change for me. Yeah, we always focus on the on the things that are sexy, but may not make any money. And if you're focus, if you're making money without hardly even trying on the notary business, and I don't mean to take that away from you, but that's a no brainer. <laughs> yeah, and it's something I took for granted. I didn't. I did a lot of damage to relationships in there, and now I'm so glad that I've had that flip because this business has introduced me to some of the most incredible people I have ever met. I, I consider them friends, not just clients or students. And we really have something beautiful going. I still pinch myself. I'm still, I'm like, is it legal to make this much money doing something that is now so easy for me? In the beginning, it certainly wasn't. And then just feel so good about stuff and just keep spreading the word and knowing that there's this abundance that we can help other people. We can help each other do this work. And it really is. It's, and that's why I have those three tenets for this that you mentioned in the beginning. It offers you a flexible schedule unlimited income and it's a legit business. Mm-hmm. It's old fashioned too. And I think that's why I like it. There's no BS. It's you work and you get paid. You don't have to recruit people. You don't have to sell product that people don't want. You don't need an inventory. It's just a good old fashioned business. It's been around for, depending on who you ask, thousands of years. Talking about the relationships I've experienced or notaries with real estate transactions with car purchases, what are some other services that they would be providing or that they would be notarizing? Yeah. What's really cool um, about the world of notary public is I would say that probably 70 or 80% are over the age of 50. So they bring a certain level of professionalism and experience into this, especially if they take this work seriously and get training and have a website and a business card and really, because this can be an incredible business because of how often notaries are needed in everyday life. And I don't think we always realize it because sometimes it's just maybe once a year or every now and then, but in the business world and in the medical world and the legal world, notaries are used so often. In fact, they're at, they estimate it's anywhere from one to 3 billion documents a year 
are getting notarized. So anytime people are buying stuff, selling stuff, being born or dying, there's probably a notary involved plus everything in between. Okay. Just totally spaced on, I recently, you know, did a will change and that obviously had to be notarized. Estate planning documents are huge. Medical directives, last wills and testaments, living trust, lots of legal paperwork, real estate mortgages, all of those mortgages, every mortgage you've ever done has had a notary involved. Oh, yeah. It's usually multiple documents notarized. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> let's talk about the side hustle lounge. Most of the guests, it, it seems, are with the notary field, although I've seen a few, like Elise Cartwright. Did she help you with your book? Yeah, Lise was amazing. She was part of a program that I had joined on how to do a self-publishing book. And I got to meet her in person in Austin for right before my first book launched. Loved her advice, love her energy, obviously. She's a hoot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for my second book, I actually hired her for some one-on-one coaching to help me out with that too. Amazing person there. And then with the Side Hustle Lounge, she was one of my guests there. So the way that it worked is that my first four guests were from the notary world. We had general notary work, signing agent, apostee, and remote online notarization. After that, though, it's oh, it's fair game. It's open. We've had authors. We have arts and craft creator that has products in over 200 stores. And we've got some really great guests coming up soon. We talk about money. That's the, the thing about the Side Hustle Lounge is it's designed for people who are looking either for a way to get out of their nine to five hmm. or if they're already outside of the nine to five and want additional streams of revenue. Because I really think that's the key to wealth creation. Or if you're just multi-passionate. Like me, you like to have different irons in the fire so you don't get bored. You like to explore new things. That's what this is all about. So we talk about legit income opportunities, but then the uh, mindset and the personal growth that it takes to become successful at those, and then how you spend your life, lifestyle design, adventure, and your legacy that you leave behind. So we talk about all of that. Okay. Now, are you strictly focused right now on the side hustle lounge and the notary, the notary <laughs> business, or are there some... There's some side projects. You're asking me what about my irons in the fire, aren't you? Yeah, Yeah, I've I've definitely got irons in the fire right now. So I am, first and foremost, my passion, my dream is to travel the world, meet interesting people, and write books that touch, move, and inspire. So I'm writing two books right now, and the Side Hustle Lounge is basically my side hustle. I get to work that on the weekends in my main business. My main focus are my students and clients in notary coach and the sign and thrive community. Okay. But I do have other tech projects, all kinds of little things going on. Okay. Tech projects that are related to your, your businesses or tech projects that are, you're coming up with a new web browser. Yeah. So what I learned through all this part of what I learned is if I'm going to have multiple irons in the fire, It's important that somehow I can connect them so my brain doesn't draw energy away. And that's how I used to get exhausted. I'd have a poker business, but then I'd have a real estate business. And trying to bridge that gap was a little difficult. Now, most of what I do operates under this notary umbrella. So my brain's focused energy is here. Sometimes it's a stretch to link them, but I've got a link that makes sense for my brain. So I do it. So I've got two, I've got some investments in some tech companies and then a startup as well, platform wise on some cool stuff that's coming up. We'll see how it goes, but 
And then there's all kinds of other cool stuff. I got app ideas too, but I'm trying to pace myself and not over overflow the plate again. Okay. Now you mentioned art, although you were talking about a, a potential guest. I see over your shoulder there, there's a picture of a dog. Did you draw that or did you paint that rather? I did not paint that. That was a friend uh, and that's both dogs, but it's like a, a, a portrait of my two dogs. So Okay. And it, I can only see. Yeah, I can see. And there's see a half a face back there. Yeah, they're yeah, upstairs okay. right now being good. <laughs> yeah. Mine are older and they're sleeping right now. So. <laughs> yeah. They spend yeah, a lot of time doing that. Yeah. Wish they could live forever. I Oh, but, man, I know. I just, in fact, last night we celebrated the life. My friend Nina, her dog just passed away last week. In fact, two of my friend's dogs passed away last week. It's so sad. It's so hard, sometimes harder than when humans pass. Yeah. Cause generally you don't, you like dogs. You love dogs. You don't really have a grudge against a dog for doing something. And they spend so much time with us and sometimes yeah. they're there for every mood for every, there's a lot of negative thoughts and like little mini pity parties that I've had. Like with my cat, she was always there for 18 years. And then when, so she, when she died, that left a huge void in my heart. Yeah. And I know that's, I think that's with dogs too. And people just don't fill the moment like that with unconditional love at all times like that. Humans are human. Yeah. They got their own things going on. Are you a big sports guy or? I am not at all. I'm like, I heard all. you make a baseball reference in another podcast. So. <laughs> it's so, I don't know where, okay. So let, I don't know where my analysis, sports analogies come from. I played sports. In high school, I played uh, baseball, I wrestled, I played football. They asked me not to play basketball anymore. I've got some, at least a little bit of knowledge about it, but I don't know where those analogies come from. And I never watch it. I never bet on it. And I usually fade out when people start talking about it. Okay. You want to talk books? I can talk books or golden girls all day long. Golden girls. Choose your next words carefully, Greg. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Golden Girls? Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, I've heard okay. of the, you were talking about the, the Rue McClanahan and. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All be right. Arthur. It's not my thing, but I can understand. <laughs> we got into watching Doc Martin. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a British comedy about a doctor that's probably on the autistic spectrum. And okay. he was serving in a little town. It's right on the coast and, oh, develops a, a phobia of a fear of blood. As so a doctor, that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, that is. So <laughs> Interesting. That's, that's my golden girls. <laughs> and we've also, she's gotten me into watching uh, Downton Abbey. I, I think Here's you said it right, guard. too. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't tried getting into that yet, although all my I hear about it all the time, or at least I did. I think it ended or something, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't got into that yet. It's out there and I think they're making another movie, although in fairness to me, we did not see the first movie. Any other books that you've got? Can you talk about those a little bit? Oh uh, yeah, a little bit. I've got two more. One is in the notary realm and the other one is it'll be a first jaunt outside of the notary realm. And then I'm going to, my, my goal is to do two, about probably two of these or more per year. Okay. That that would be my dream life. Although Elise is such an inspiration to me. She's got 34, 30, she lost count of how many books she has published. So that blew my mind. 
Now, this next one, you mentioned it's going to be inspirational. Is it going to be slightly fictional or is it just going to be totally autobiographical or how is that going to work? Yeah, it's definitely not fictional. I've got one formulating that I don't know if it'll be fiction or not, but I don't read fiction aside from the classics. So it's Mm -hmm. outside my realm and I, I read personal development. It's what I know. It's what I like to read. So I'll be writing about that. So one is has to do with the notary world. And then this other one is, it's not even, I would say inspirational. It's just, it's a certain set of habits that I do to help me achieve peace of mind in my everyday life. So okay. it's just like a framework for that to do it in traffic or when you're waiting in line, those types of things. Okay. And I mentioned fictional, not from the standpoint of, of a war and peace or something, but you know, like Brendan Burchard has some of his teachings wrapped up in a fictional layer. Like a parable. Yeah. A parable. Yeah. Speaking. Yeah. So I, I struggle with parables too. So if I'm totally honest about it, they usually drive me nuts. His life's golden ticket. That's the one enjoyed. I was thinking of. Yeah. The alchemist. I actually really enjoyed three feet from gold really enjoyed. And the 5am club by Robin Sharma. I almost didn't read it because it's in a parable form, but I'm so glad that I did. That was a life-changing book for me. So I don't know if I've got the passion to do that, but maybe I will. I'm totally open to it. It's one of those ideas that will fall out of the ether for me and I'm, I'm ready to go if it hits me. Okay. So if you were advising somebody to go in to, to start a business, I guess, basically, should they be passionate about what they're going into or because it sounds like you developed your passion over time. Uh, yeah. And you've, you've branched out on the notary coaching and you've figured out different ways to, to incorporate that. Yeah. The best piece of advice I would offer is not to necessarily has less to do about the vehicle you do it in and more about where and why you're going. So I'm very clear about the impact I want to make on the world. I want to be a beacon of love and light. I want to inspire people to get up off the couch of life and pursue their dreams because I know it's possible. I want to do that. I just happen to be in a notary car right now, like the notary vehicle. Then right. that's how I do it. That's my mas- my business is my masterpiece. It's how I create for the world right now. It's how I feel good about it. And I think that's why I've become so passionate about working in this industry because it fuels my legacy, my my ultimate goals. And I think the reality is you can probably find that in anything with the right mindset, the right attitude about it. I just got fortunate to one that gives me that freedom and the flexibility on that. Okay. Was there a, a book or something that changed your way of thinking about that? Or was it just, just something that you developed over time with seeing how others had done things? For the mindset, again, I think this might be part of the culmination things. I have, I have a philosophy on education and learning for myself. I don't read a book to become so engrossed with it and the author and the teacher, whatever it is, that's all I'm thinking about. And that's who I'm becoming. Like that person's the one and only thing that I can learn and do. My philosophy is what if I just got one thing that I could implement today? So whether that's a a book, a course, a workshop, an interaction, a meeting, whatever it is, what's my one takeaway that I could implement right away. So I think 
because I've, I read so much and do so much in the uh, personal development and learning realm that all of these little one pieces that I've constructed my own little wobbly philosophy about how all this works. So I don't know that there was just one book or one thing. And I would just go back to say that I would say there's three things that made a huge impact because it came down to self-confidence and believing in myself again. And that came from learning my type on the Enneagram learning that as a number seven, I am an enthusiast. I love ideas. I know what's motivating my behavior. I know I'm pushing some of the negative emotions away. So now I know how to confront those and not be in a shame cycle. So that was huge. And then learning the habits and routines are everything. Hal Elrod, Brendan Burchard, super helped me out with that. And then the third thing, I have to say, I'm going to give credit to Brene Brown on this because rising strong and there's one other book and it's just i'm watching it leave my brain as we speak but really any of her books because i was going through what i was going through where the world was crumbling and my heart was broken at the time i was going through that the breakup and as a solopreneur when you're going through a a divorce a breakup or grief of any kind even if somebody were to die your entire business is reliant on you so you have to somehow pick up all these pieces So her book, I read right at the right time that gave me that confidence to get back on track. Hal Elrod gave me the framework, a reason to get up every morning and to do keep moving. And when I did that every day, doing what I said I was going to do, having that internal integrity with myself, just Mm -hmm. built up and gave me the confidence to keep going, keep doing more. Okay. Now you've mentioned travel. What do you, A, where do you like to go and B, How do you, are you wanting to become like a travel authority, a travel influencer, or just do more traveling? No, I'm, I'm, I'm a real shy introvert. Traveling to me is like a cabin in the woods with nobody around. I don't like to do touristy things. I like to do, I like to sit and stare at the ocean and write books. I like to stare at the mountains and hike and have a place by the lake, that kind of thing. I've done domestic travel for the most part, a little bit of Canada, a little bit of Mexico, but now that this... A uh, pandemic is coming to a close. I'm really looking forward to some international travel. And I'm really embracing longer travel or slow travel, as they call it, because I don't want to be rushed. I don't want to go and take pictures of all the touristy things like I used to do, cruises and stuff like that. Now I want to slow down a little bit. I want to experience. I want to sip coffee on a street cafe and people watch and write my books or whatever it is. So that's what I have in mind. I still love doing that. And my goal, especially because I'm in Phoenix and mm-hmm. it's already like 112 or something today in the beginning of June. So I'm ready to get out of here. Yeah. We've had a really weird beginning of June so far. It's actually been cool. And yes. like in the sixties, seventies, normally about this time, it would be in the nineties, if not the hundreds. What I'm hearing here is an invitation, Greg. Yes. Come on down, man. <laughs> Might have to do it. I've never been out there before. The Charlotte, the Charlotte area, the East coast is a great spot. I was just thinking, um, you probably need to look into Robert Morales, better known as traveling Robert on YouTube. Thank you. Yeah, he's, got, he's also a great guest, but he's just a humble. He and his family had immigrated to, to this country from Cuba when I think he was like 16 or 17 
and he just travels all over the East coast and actually West coast. And, you know, I think he's been, where were we? Oh, last night it was in Maine. I love that. And I love that he does the domestic U.S. too. And one of the things that I realized, especially here in Arizona, right? Home of the Grand Canyon. So many people who are native to Arizona who have never been to the Grand Canyon or they've never been to Tonto Natural Bridge. It's like the world's largest travertine bridge and it's right here in Arizona. And I realized that there's so – we fall into this complacency where we live and – we forget that people travel to where we live to experience it. So that's part of what I hope to do is just inspire people to get up, get out and explore and see the Grand Canyon or see, you see your own Grand Canyon, whatever it is in your state. Get out yeah, there there's and experience actually, it. We really like where we live. Charlotte, you can get to the mountains, you can get to the coast and just going into Charlotte occasionally, just seeing the sites, the town, yeah, check, the energy. Check out the museum, yeah, the energy. Yeah, Have some coffee on a sidewalk cafe, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Man, it was great talking to you today. Yeah, likewise, Greg. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, if anybody needs to reach out to me or would like to reach out to me, please feel free to put them in touch. I will. What's the best way for somebody to check you? If you're interested in notary stuff, notarycoach.com keeps it nice and simple. If you want to check out the Side Hustle Lounge, you can go to the sidehustlelounge.com. We have a free private Facebook group that I interact in pretty regularly. That's probably the best way. And then outside of anything else, I don't really prefer email. I'm trying to find a way to never have to open email again. It's a long way away, but I do prefer text message. And if you will reach out to me in the private Facebook group, I'll get you my text phone number. All right, sir. Well, that's a wrap. It was great having you on. I hope you have a good rest of the day, sir. Yeah. Thank you so much, Greg. Now, Bill was a great guest and a lot of fun to interview, even if he does have a bit of a golden girl addiction. Bill admits that early on, he resisted discipline and chased the shiny objects. Later in life, he would learn that there is freedom and discipline. Bill credited a lot of personal development authors as serving as a mentor to him by their books. He also learned from each of his 26 failures prior, so he took those lessons and applied them to his current business. He specifically credits Hal Elrod's The Miracle Morning with serving as a framework for how to wake up and organize his mornings. Bill also found that sometimes God or the universe will give him signs of how to proceed. He stressed that if he didn't make the decision, then sometimes it would get made for him. After, after a particularly rough patch, Bill took a results inventory that really shaped his life. He admitted that he was not always passionate about becoming a notary, but he uses it as a vehicle to allow him to effect change in the world. Bill has learned that if he is going to have multiple irons in the fire, to have them somehow connect together and back to his core businesses. He has also created his own podcast called The Side Hustle Lounge to interact with fellow entrepreneurs and explore other streams of income. To stay in touch with Bill, check out his notarycoach.com or visit his podcast site at sidehustlelounge.com where you can interact with him and visit his free private Facebook group. Now, next week, we'll have on Bill and Esther Van Gorder talking about how they failed retirement and started a successful Alpine walking company. 
Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Over 40. Check us out at entrepreneursover40.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast directory.